The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome. to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. In this episode, I talked to Patrick Homer about their decision of reducing a large percentage of their workforce last week due to the anticipated impact of the coronavirus on their business. We talk about the information that informed their decisions. We talk about non-competes as well as what changes suppliers and buyers they might experience as it relates to the Lucid marketplace. Take a listen. Welcome, Patrick. Good to see you, Seema. It's been too long since we've been face-to-face, so uh, it's good to see you. It's good to speak with you in this trying time, so thanks for letting me on. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, reaching out. It's been a crazy few weeks, hasn't it? It has been some of the most trying times that I've seen in a while. Yeah. And at, at the same time, there are moments of joy and moments of humanity, which can make us all smile, as around us, there are so many discouraging things. So it's a, quite an emotional ride, I tell you that. I completely agree. I have never toggled between having tears in my eyes and then laughing hysterically at something because I've seen a funny meme and knowing that it's probably really not that funny, but I need to like somehow <laughs> express some emotion. Uh. Most of the memes are on homeschooling are the ones I like the most right now because that may be the death of us all here. (laughs) Yeah. So how are you personally doing and dealing with this in your own mind? Like what's kind of your psyche? What do you say to yourself as you go through this time? Well, the good news is that my family and friends are safe at this time. And also with uh, Lucid, we've had some positive cases, but for the most part, people are recovering and safe. And so that's top of mind for me. And in terms of how I deal with it, honestly, there's a song by uh, John Prine, who is actually in ICU right now. He's a country singer, folk singer, um, star in the 70s. And John Prine has a song called, uh, That's the Way That the World Goes Around. And when it all becomes too overwhelming or too much, I go back to those lyrics to remind myself that things will also turn around for the better. Yeah, that's true. You kind of have to have a little bit of that optimism in your mindset to kind of go through the day to day. Yeah. The other thing that's crazy is that as much as there are storm clouds economically, Lucid is seeing its highest transaction volumes ever right now. So literally the month of March has been a roller coaster ride up in terms of number of interviews and number of transactions. So as much as we see these storm clouds brewing economically, we're also in this weird situation where there's a lot of volume and, and strength on platforms. So it's this duality of things going on at the same time. And it's a challenge to navigate what it all means, as it were. Do you think it's a lag effect in terms of the transactions? Like, do you think that people are getting kind of work that's in the pipeline done? Or are you seeing new starts to projects? Well, we've taken a close look at what is actually happening because it was somewhat strange to have a rapid increase in volume, especially in the last half of the month. 
there were a huge number, as you can imagine, of new COVID surveys. Yes. Like hundreds of COVID surveys globally. They're everywhere. So that was normal. Mm-hmm. We also, especially the last couple of weeks, started to see people trying to complete things quickly. So our sense was companies needed to get projects done that they knew they could invoice because they started to worry about where the next project would come from and how it would be placed and ordered. And as people started hearing about canceled work, they really wanted to make sure the work that they had was done and out the door. So there was a little bit of what we believe of just push to completion all the way to the end of March. Uh, but even early April, we're still seeing that same level of volumes over, over a trailing seven-day period. So it's an interesting dynamic to see so much volume while people are Obviously, you saw the labor, the unemployment numbers come out in the United States over the past two weeks have just been astronomical. So we, we have a lot of negative, but also within what I call programmatic, there's lots of potential positive because I don't think the need to ask questions and get information has diminished. Actually, I think it's reversed. Whatever you thought you knew about your product or the way you thought people's opinions were in pre-COVID, everything has changed. And so there's a strong desire for information and fast turn in the moment information because this is a rapidly evolving scenario. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's interesting. I said this on another discussion I had was that before this, I think that survey research was getting a bad rap, right? And to a certain degree. And now the only way to capture how people feel it's through survey research. I mean, the emotions, the attitudes, and it's encouraging to see that its role and its importance in all of this as well to provide value back to you know the world at large to help people understand what's going on. And consumer behaviors are changing rapidly right now in ways that have some ways we can see and some ways we won't see for a while. But literally having everyone at home for however long it's going to be, you have radical changes in behavior, radical changes in purchasing, radical changes in opinion. And so that's going to require sorting out over time. So I think we have this window where as companies everywhere are trying to figure it out, there are some areas where they are slowing, pausing, or canceling work. And in other areas, they're speeding up, accelerating, and, and moving work. The other thing that we see is a lot more companies are, they're doing quick, fast, general population surveys without much targeting. And so they're just worried about quick hits, a couple of questions. They just needed something specific understood and moving on versus a much longer tailored survey design and very targeted audience kind of work. And so there's a lot of projects that are really simple and easy and broad across multiple markets as people are trying to just get a handle on how things are moving around so quickly. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, week to week in the last three to four weeks, it feels like, you know, I wouldn't say four years, but four months. Each week represents a different kind of set of behaviors and changes. I know every day we're always thinking about, okay, what's the next level of, you know, safety we have to think about? Or now we're wearing masks to the grocery store, so on and so forth. Yep. And it's been rapid. It has been. So I know that you have had to make some tough decisions over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, talk to me about how you got to the decisions that you made at Lucid just recently. And by decisions, you have laid off people within the company over the course of this past week. Well, I think this really goes back to an evolution of my understanding and Lucid's understanding of how this COVID crisis was going to roll out, both in terms of a healthcare crisis and a financial crisis. And speaking on the healthcare side first, we were early in starting to really 
lock down the safety and protection of our team. Well, around what date was that? Like when you say early, give us an idea. So we had our first work from home test on the 11th before Louisiana was locking down anything or even New York. And so we had recognized the week prior that different countries where we have offices and team members are going to eventually lock down. And that may have some continuity issues. And it also has safety issues. And so we did a global work from home day across every single one of our offices on the 11th. Okay. We had started preparing that the week before. By the time we got to the 11th, we realized that we were just going to continue it for as long as necessary. Mm-hmm. So luckily we had, we were doing the continuity early mm-hmm. from a business standpoint, but also we kept people out of offices earlier than other markets or other mayors or other countries were asking them to. And uh, looking back, we feel that that was a strong move from a real safety position for our team members, for their families and friends to be ahead of that curve versus behind it. And did those team members agree with it? No. No. Well, it depends on what market they're in. I mean, some of our countries were not as that time. An easy example is the UK government that week and the week following had a very different message on how they were going to handle this crisis than what we were working against. Same thing in India, very different message. Mm -hmm. And so they still followed suit with the company and work from home for that time frame. And again, I think that that is impactful to the health and safety of our team globally that we moved quickly. It made it a global issue and it wasn't choose your own adventure in terms of which market did what. Right. Got it. That was important to do. And, you know, one quote that we keeping in our back of our head is that it's from Michael Leavitt, who was the Secretary of Health and Human Services about a decade ago here in the U.S. He said, everything you do before a pandemic will seem alarmist and everything you do after will seem inadequate. Right. I've heard that. And so we keep that in our head also with the coming financial crisis is that we know that we've moved quickly and we know that we've moved not only quickly, but in strong ways to create the stability and confidence in Lucid. And a lot of people are going to see that as alarmist because it seems like we're ahead of the curve versus behind a curve. I always use the analogy of a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. It's something that our New Orleans team appreciates and understands quite uh, well. So whenever there's a hurricane comes in the Gulf of Mexico, you get a forecast. Right. And you know days in advance that something's going to occur. But if you go to the beach, it's going to be a beautiful day. Actually, some of the best weather you're going to have is in front of a hurricane. Everything's sunny. Everything looks good. And so for most of the month of March, everything looked like it was going to be at the beach. Mm -hmm. But we knew days ahead that there was going to be a hurricane is not only going to come, but it's going to make landfall and hit. And so we started to realize that we need to batten down the hatches. And so it's in the same way that you'll see in front of a hurricane, people putting up plywood on their windows. It's the same thing we're doing. It's preparing for, for the coming storm. Got it. And so that's the context that we look at is preparing for that storm, but also looking ahead to what the new normal is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Because there will be a period of time where it's going to be challenging economically for a lot of companies. And then there's going to be coming out of that. What do things look like on the other side? And how do we prepare for that also? So it's thinking about that new normal. The other context that we had is responsibility for not only our teams, Um, our employees, but also all the other companies that rely on Lucid as a marketplace to be a safe, secure, transparent, but also stable environment through the storm. So we knew that we need to make all of our major decisions before 
things got hard so that people could rely on us through the storm itself. So that meant moving very, very quickly in front of things versus during it, because reliability, stability, and confidence are going to be really important over the next quarter. So we wanted to make sure that all the major decisions were done before we got there. In terms of preparing for the storm, it's obviously to make sure that the company's financially whole and obviously, you know, anticipating not a down, a softening of the business and hence, you know, reducing your staff. The trade-off to that was to make sure that Lucid was secure and stable for the rest of the industry to continue to transact with and continue to secure their businesses. It's somewhat of a trade-off, but there are also some very straightforward realities that Lucid grew at a 35% rate in 2019, and we had planned for a 40% growth rate in 2020 and had a healthy Q1 coming in. Mm -hmm. So in context where we expect radical GDP uh, reduction, so Goldman Sachs is saying, you know, we've got a scenario that the U.S. GDP will take somewhere between a 20 and 25% impact in one quarter. So we had to start thinking about what the practical realities were going to be in terms of the economic environment and make sure that we were ready to go. And that meant that regardless of the growth rate that we were projecting in 2020, it was much less than the 40%. Right. And so we were, to be honest, we had hired for 40 and we were well above that curve. Okay. And we couldn't. So it's a terrible choice to make. Can you imagine having to make the decision? that you're going to lay off people in the middle of an economic and healthcare crisis. Yeah. That's like literally the worst kind of decision you want to have to make. It's gut-wrenching. It's gut-wrenching. And nothing I say or do, no rationale, no reason, no reference can take away or diminish the human impact of that period. Right. And so that has kept me up at night for weeks because I knew it was a practical reality coming. Thursday, the day we did our reduction in force, was the worst day I've ever had in 10 years of Lucid Mm -hmm. because people are not being laid off for performance at all, and they're good people, Mm -hmm. people I care about, and many of them worked with for many years. And so I'm obviously not over that yet emotionally, much less in any other way. It's just really, really a tough moment and a tough, tough call for any leader, any entrepreneur in a tough environment. So Patrick, this is a tough question, and maybe you've already addressed this, but given that we're in a pandemic, given that the economic situation is so tough, will these people, if they're under a non-compete, be able to be released from their non-competes if they get a job? Well, that's a very specific question. We have a strong history of supporting employees getting jobs in the market research industry. Like Even after the RIF yesterday, I probably had a half dozen calls with other executives who had roles and trying to get people placed immediately. So our track record is really clear on, and our philosophy is really clear, that we want people to work in the industry immediately or as soon as possible after leaving Lucid for any reason. And a lot of the leadership in the industry across the board used to work at Lucid. So we've placed people all across the board. So we aren't going to change that philosophy where we have every expectation that people are going to be able to get a job in the market research space. And that Lucid wants that to happen is going to support not just getting the job, but we may be the people trying to to do the matchmaking. So that's our philosophy. And if they're Lucid employees who are listening to this recording, uh, they should know very clearly that we want that to happen. And that if you're not already talking with us about how to get a job in the space, you should be. 
because other executives are calling us and we want to place you as soon as possible or help you get placed in a tough time. And to be more specific, as you know, research is a broad ecosystem. And so is it the entire ecosystem or is it, you know, full service, qual, maybe not necessarily online sampling? Can you share a little bit of that? The clear message is that we want to, it's not about a particular style of company. It's really sometimes it's level and sometimes it has to do with other dynamics at play. But we've had very senior people go to other senior roles. You know, I'll call out, hate me for it, but Ted Pulsifer at MarketCube, right? He's what, chief revenue officer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, left a very senior role with us. MarketCube can be seen as a competitor, as a partner, sure. as a friend, someone who's been in programmatic for a long time. And we collectively were able to work out the right framework for that to be an effective transition for all parties. Um, but our philosophy is clear that we want to build bridges versus burn them. And so our first point of view, our initial footing, whenever this comes up is, let's try to make this work. Yeah. And we don't want employees or former employees to be afraid that a non-compete is going to be somehow used against them to block them from employment, especially during this environment. And that's what I was going to say, like this situation's so different, right? I mean, it's so different. I think at this point, you know, people can get a job and put food on the table. That's number one. So what does this mean about the people who transact on the platform, who buy and sell? Does anything change there? Everything you're doing before is alarmist. So we did very specific things to shore up both the supply side and buy side of our ecosystem so that as we're going through this economic crisis together, that everyone can have confidence in lucid liquidity from a transaction volume standpoint, but also stability. And so we've done a tremendous amount of work on the supply side, we moved some commissions up, and that's been a bit of consternation. I'm sure you've heard it, Seema. Yes, I have. And a lot of that has to do with making things fair for all participants. There are a handful of suppliers that had grandfathered lower commissions than everyone else, and that was something that we didn't see as appropriate going into this economic crisis. Fairness really mattered that every participant had the same shake to get access to the same surveys at the same rate. On the buy side, what everyone is concerned about is which companies are going to be able to continue to pay their bills. Right. That's a big concern as a lot of things get canceled. And so we've been providing support to the leadership of both of our supplier clients and our buyer clients to help them think about how they're going to navigate this crisis, help them and understand better what their current financial position is so that we can provide that stability and that confidence that both buyers and sellers We'll be able to transact because we don't want a supplier disruption at this moment where a supplier, for whatever reason, is having challenges. And you don't want buyer disruptions where they're having challenges at this moment. So it's what we've really had to do was have top to top calls with almost every participant in our ecosystem, mm -hmm. truly understand where they were at financially, what preparation they were doing to go into this economic challenge so that together we will come through it stronger. And it's been a lot of work on all sides to get that done. Yeah, I think the argument or the challenge has been that the expectations to have to pay within a certain time are very different from the time you get paid. And so when you think about those small companies that are being stretched out to 90, I think it's 90 day terms or 120 day terms when for their supply and yet they have to pay Lucid on a shorter time frame, how do you rationalize that? Because they're getting stretched. Well, what we see is more and more they're coming together. 
And one of the key things that suppliers have relied on and we introduced to the market is frictionless, consistent payment. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that you may be aware of is that suppliers don't invoice Lucid. We just pay them what they're owed, right? So there's no time frame. There's no arguing or shuffling of papers within invoice land and accounting firm. We just pay outright every single time. And when we did a lot of our diligence leading up to this decision, we learned that it's the consistency that is almost as important as the timeliness of payment. And we're also, as you well know, the buy side of all market research is slow to pay. And so during a economic crisis, that tends to be stretched even further. And so what we've had to do is pull these closer together versus spreading apart. Because what everyone can afford is that you're paying out supply at, you know, 10 days and getting receiving on 120. That's very hard to manage for everybody. Pulling it together to a more, where the AR and the AP are more closely aligned, to be more specific about it, provides more stability for everyone. So Patrick, are you willing to, because, you know, you're kind of saying, look, we're in this together. If there's distressed times or exceptions of sorts, would you be willing to have the conversation and say, can we talk and can we kind of figure this out? Because, you know, my business is on the line. I want to be here after this whole thing. Are you open to that conversation? It goes both. And we've already had so many of those conversations and some of those aren't even about any change that Lucid has made. Okay. So what we've intentionally done is start to communicate with leadership of all the participants as much as possible. Because as you know, this is a rapidly evolving situation. Yep. And so what Lucid can provide is, is one, understanding of what's happening in the market mm-hmm. so that we can either validate what a customer is seeing or give them information about what we see and where things are going. And we've had numerous examples where it could be a buyer or seller. And as you know, a lot of our customers do both. They're starting to realize that they're going to be in a challenging position. And so, of course, we will have exceptions as required. The big question I often get called about is what are you seeing? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing in China compared to what you saw in China four weeks ago or even eight weeks ago? We saw in Lucid, we saw a dramatic dip in volume, of course, after the Lunar New Year in China. And then the following few weeks as as Wuhan and other parts of China went into lockdown. And then there's been a fast recovery. And now the volumes in China are well above what they were in, say, January before there was an obvious challenge. Okay. So we use that as an example. We're seeing similar things, say, in South Korea, where you would expect that from some of those APEC markets that were willing and able to clamp down quickly in terms of how their response to the pandemic. What we've also seen is there are real GDP, real economic indicators coming out of China that are public that show that the amount of economic activity in China is somewhere between 30 to 25 percent less than 2019. Okay. So when we think about how this recovery will look, we expect other markets to look like China, where the 60 to 90 days after shutdown and the peak of whatever flattened curve there is happens, and that there is somewhere in economic activity, somewhere between a 20 to 30 percent lower rate than 2019. And then the question then becomes, how fast and when do you get back to a 2019 number and grow from 2019? Yeah. And a lot of it also has to do with, you know, the stimulus packages. And as you think about, you know, days when we come out of this, you had talked earlier, you know, not only just getting through this, but also thinking about what the new normal looks like. You talked about the economic reduction and the question of when we can bounce back from that, you know, 25% loss. 
What else have you thought about as what the new normal looks like? Well, I think it's for all industries mm-hmm. have the pace of digital transformation, which just accelerated to light speed. Yeah. For example, most of the restaurants around me were not doing takeout, much less delivery, much less Uber Eats or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now the corner restaurant is doing all of it. Yeah. So literally there's this very fast movement to digital. One of our team members asked yesterday, can we always just work from home? And there's the question of what does office space mean after we've been home for months, right? Do we need that? Do we not need that? Or how? To, and so understanding that companies that are focused on technology and digital transformation are going to see those boats rise over the coming months. There will be an immediate Q2 economic impact. But after that is passed, all the companies that have strong technology and innovative cores and are part of that digital transformation are going to continue to see uh, rapid growth because a lot of companies are being forced to make decisions towards transformation that they were slow rolling before. And all of a sudden, they cannot afford not to do it right now. Mm-hmm. And that could be anything from movement to what we would call programmatic research or programmatic sampling, but it's in every industry across the board. I mean, qualitative research is an example where overnight we couldn't meet face-to-face. Obviously, those companies who had a lot of that work have felt that pain. And where does it go? It goes online. It has to go online immediately because no one's doing it. You can't really do it face-to-face. So you have to experiment, right? You have to experiment immediately. I also think this is an incredible time to start a company. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people who are considering, is this a good time? And I'll speak from experience. During and as you're coming out of an economic crisis is a beautiful time to start a company because it's A, especially if it's technology-based, but a lot of them are, it's a wave that's going to be strong coming out, but also it's nothing but up on the other side. So you're literally going to see years of growth if you start at the bottom, as it were, in the middle of a crisis. So a good example, Lucid was started in 2010. It was right after the second, if you remember the financial crisis of 2008, there was a dip down, it came back up, it dipped down again in 2010. People were afraid it was happening again. And then it moved out of it. And that was when we started the company. And since basically the middle of 2010, we had 10 straight years of economic up. And that is a wave that every company should want to ride. I know that Lucid has moved quickly. I know that we've moved hard and that we've made a lot of big decisions fast. We could have done things more elegantly across the board, of course. Uh, We could have, if we had time, rolled things out in a more nuanced way. And I just ask everyone's forgiveness for not being able to communicate as effectively as we would like. So, Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Seema. There's no denying that the decisions that we are going to have to make as it relates to the impact of the coronavirus, they're going to be gut-wrenching, and we will have to go through this. What I really appreciated about Patrick joining me on the podcast was sharing a little bit of the thinking that informed the decision-making process. Whether you get to a different place in terms of anticipating the impact to you, that doesn't matter. The reality is the more information we share and we can learn from each other, it informs us and it makes us smarter. It reduces the uncertainty that we're all dealing with. With that, tune in next week. Until then, be safe, be healthy, peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. 
Head over to www.datagurusepodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusepodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.